This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Business Plan for the Planet podcast, a series centered around ESG insights. In these episodes, you'll hear from experts whose work is at the heart of sustainability-linked trends and opportunities, as well as from businesses that are delivering change for a better future for us all. Join us as we shine a spotlight on their commitment to a sustainable future. We're going to be discussing transitioning investment portfolios, how to build those portfolios to net zero, uh, how to identify priority investments to scale up climate solutions and technologies of tomorrow. Our two guests who are on my right immediately, Morten Nilsson, who is CEO of the BT Pension Scheme, and also Nicolas Moreau, welcome, uh, who is Chief Executive of HSBC Global Asset Management. So let me pick up. Um, how much are you changing? We, we're hearing a degree of a high degree of positivity um, that things are changing. There's a dramatic change of mindset. Morton, what's your view? I mean, we're changing. Last year in October, we set a, a net zero target of, of 2035. And that means we are changing and we're changing very fast. I think it is very ambitious and I think it's soon enough. I think the, the thing that's important in my view is that other institutions like us set their targets, uh, their individual targets and, and get on with it. What about your ambitions, Nicola? I think um, the, the industry is moving very fast. There's a very strong momentum. Are you surprised by the speed? Yes. Since COVID, uh, we've seen a huge pace. Um, before, it was okay. It was a matter of interest. But now you see that uh, everyone is feeling concerned. There's a lot of recruitment, new product, new push. Uh, I'm very amazed by the, um, the pace that we see today uh, in the industry, whether that's asset owner or whether this is um, asset managers. Uh, especially in Europe, um, a, lot, a lot of asset managers are now pushing a green agenda. I mean, where are you feeling the pressure? Is it, is it self-generating or is it the board saying, Hugh, you've got to do this now? Is it your, who is it? What is it that's, that's driving you at the moment? I think the, the thing that, I mean, we've been monitoring climate change for many years. And yeah, been, but slowly. Yeah, and I think what really changed for us was it moved from a potential future risk to what we deem as an actual immediate risk to our ability, our ability to to deliver on our long-term promises. And that means that it's it's you know it's no longer something we can just postpone. It's actually core to 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 the way we see our ability to deliver on the, on the pension promises we we have to deliver on to our members. When you see what happened recently in ExxonMobil, where big pension funds essentially achieved a dramatic change on the board, are you feeling, are you, are you acting in, in that kind of way, with that kind of power and that kind of influence to change uh, where you're investing? Yeah, and I think for actually on, just following on that point, I think we see a huge appetite for green investments, but actually those investments that need to transition their current uh, business models to a low carbon economy 
they need that push. And if we can support that, I think we can be very much part of the solution. So, so we think we, we support things like that and believe that's the way to really, to really get there for all of us. But you're being an active investor as a pension fund in a rather different way now, not necessarily on returns, but instead of which there is what they are doing, what the companies are doing and how they're achieving whatever profit they're making. Yeah, and I think that becomes, I mean, we, we act via investment managers, but, but I think the, for us, the way we see it is that that becomes more and more integrated because if they are not acting prudently and if they're not on transition path, then the risks are very high with those companies and then they that doesn't quite suit us. So we see it as as not an either or, but but actually both elements of this have to work to satisfy our investment needs. Nicola, the same questions to you in terms of how active you are in making sure that the returns are produced in a sustainable way. I think um, until recently we were valuing security stocks with a free carbon cost. So we were not taking into account the cost of carbon for corporates. I think what we're doing now is taking into account the fact that carbon will have a cost and that we cannot look at securities the way we used to do that. You have good data, which allows you to make that judgment. No, not yet, but we are getting there. At least sector by sector, we can consider what is, you know, the carbon costs that, you know, whether this is a cost-intensive industry or whether and, and how transitioning, the transition plan is of this company is adequate. So it allows us to take into account today the impact of carbon in the way we price a debt or we price a security. In the case of a debt in 10 years, if we don't take into account carbon cost in you know, the cash flow of the company, this is wrong. So integration um, in the valuation of securities is essential. But let me ask both of you, are, are you creating a conditionality for your investment, Nicola? In other words, we will only invest or we will maintain our investments only if you do this. Uh, for some companies, yes. Some companies need to go through a transition. For example, in emerging markets, uh, it would be unfair, and we are pushing for a fair tra uh, transition uh, to cut uh, some developing countries from access to carbon-led energy that they cannot transition so fast. So in Indonesia, India, China that are relying heavily on uh, coal, for example, uh, we need to help them to move from coal to gas to greener energy. Um, so for this company, we are taking more time and we are supporting a fair transition. For some other companies, we will try to force through stewardship uh, a transition. That was the case for ExxonMobil, for example. But that could be uh, also the case that we decide to disinvest because we believe this company uh, is not serious about the transition. Again, conditionality more. I mean, we see engagement sometimes take a bit of time, and engagement is critical. Uh, but of course, if we if we can't, what do you mean by engagement? Engagement with companies on their plans and ensuring that they they are they start to get these transition plans in place. And I think if if and sometimes that take time, but if it's fruitless, we will disinvest. We have no other option. Do you warn them? Yeah, but, but and again, we work via managers. They have to deliver this because we have our our goals. We uh, we are assessing against which we are we're, which we're quite keen on. And also, as I, as I said earlier, I think if companies don't have these plans and if these plans are not solid and have enough depth in them, then there's a very high risk with those companies in refinancing their businesses or in, 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 in their future. And we're, we're concerned about that. But I would also say to that engagement part is we also have to be careful that good investors are not just throwing 
assets to bad investors that think that have no care for this. So, so I think there's a duty for us to try to make the our influence uh, heard and try to, to, to make the changes we'd like to see, but not just give up uh, straight away. So, so I think we do have a, have a duty to engage, but if it's fruitless. I would add that, in fact, it's when a company is looking for new capital that we can have the biggest impact. Yeah. Because selling equities at the end, someone will buy it. It will not change anything to the company itself. But when a company issues debt, then if the fixed income market is closed, because we consider that this debt will finance bad assets or brown assets, um, then that's where, in fact, we can have the biggest impact. It's in the, the debt market for the new issues and for the capital raise of this company. But of course, there's an important question there. If they come to you thinking they can get raised debt in the way they've always up to now, they are misjudging where the way the market's moving and what you're likely to see. Yeah, but uh, through engagement, uh, it's not, you know, companies have been told. Uh, and that's why also the green bond market is uh, exploding right now, because more and more companies are moving to uh, green bonds because they want to finance the transition. And I think we've got a role here to play, which is to channel assets, uh, money to good investments, to sustainable uh, investments. What's your, both your attitude on stranded assets? Because you, you mentioned coal. We know what stranded assets, what the potential is. What's your attitude about what you do, given that those, those companies, mainly in the developing world, still have to function? They still need capital. They still need to produce electricity at a speed which India and so many other countries expect. Yet actually for you, potentially in the market, it's a stranded asset which becomes a liability. And, I, and again, I think that in, in a, if you go back to our core investment belief is that we, we want to invest in long-term sustainable value creation. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And of course, if something is at risk of stranding, uh, or being a stranded asset, that not long-term sustainable. But again, I think we haven't chosen to exclude companies or exclude industries or sectors. We've, we've chosen to say if they can deliver long-term sustainable value creation, we, we would be happy to invest. And that's, that's that engagement back to the engagement point. Uh, but it is something to be aware of and, and also something where, where we see this, again, this net zero target as a way of limiting our exposure to those types of assets. What about stranded assets for you, Nicola? I think one of the issues of stranded assets is that uh, we need to control um, how companies are transitioning because we want them to transition in a phased and organized way. Uh, we don't want them to sell, uh, you know, it's like um, uh, tax, tax even. Uh, we, we don't want them to exit their um, stranded assets to sort of tax, the tax even of, mm. of the brown assets. This will not solve the problems of the world. Uh, what we want is really to help companies to transition. Because, you know, if you are an oil company, you can sell all your oil business, go into the green um, wind and, and, and solar farms. This would be good for you. This would not be good for the world. It's better uh, to take them through the transition. So supporting the transition is very important. There's a question underpinning everything that uh, we're talking about. Do you think you're acting quickly enough and effectively, effectively enough? Which leads me to ask the question, how much are you under pressure now from those with pensions, those who are part of the pension fund, who you're acting on behalf of? How much are you under pressure now from those you are investing on behalf of? 
I mean, we, um, we've surveyed our members uh, twice now on, on this question, and there's a clear, I mean, 74% of our members are saying that they expect us to, to take environmental consideration into account. And it's a shift. They, it's a big shift, is it? Yeah, I mean, we haven't measured it like that before, but, but I believe it is a shift. Um, uh, so, so it's, and I think that's back to this momentum that, that is gathering also in the public, uh, uh, in the general public that this is a really important topic and, and people are realizing that something needs to change and it needs to change uh, fast. So I think there, there's an increasing pressure on getting on with it. Nicola? Yeah, I think the pressure from clients is there, whether this is Nordics, whether this is pension fund um, in the UK or in France. Uh, we've seen this pressure growing with the momentum. The retail investors are, are not yet completely there, but they are. we see a big push from retail investors to move on the uh, ESG and sustainable space or impact, um, even impact. Um, so we see this push. Um, we now integrate uh, the cost of carbon in nearly all our liquid portfolios. Uh, that's an integration, so we take that into account. Uh, and after we are an agent, so we are led by our clients. But this is clear that there is a big, big demand and push for. Let me let me uh, put this question to you: What would it take to integrate nature positive incentives into your evaluation of investments now? Mm. For example, there are more biologically beneficial decarbonization investments than others. Yeah. What data? And it picks up your point already, Nicola. What data do you need to integrate biodiversity into your accounting? and prioritization of investments. So we have developed um, a company called Climate Asset Management that is investing exactly in this type of uh, assets, uh, buying farms, land, or uh, timberlands, and um, increasing biodiversity and, and carbon uh, offset capabilities of these lands. Um, so that's exactly what we are trying to do through this company. Now, to come back to your so did you buy another company or did you create no, it? No, we are creating it. We are creating it with a partner called Pollination. Um, so we, we clearly believe in biodiversity. Uh, the issue we have today is that carbon is not easy to measure, but we begin to have science backing us in uh, the measurement of carbon consumption or carbon assumptions. But the, the science is more in advanced on carbon than it is on biodiversity. Today, it's very difficult to have a quantitative approach to biodiversity. And so uh, I believe that science will help. But today, it's very, very difficult to integrate that into our investments. Uh, so we can do assets that invest in biodiversity, but including biodiversity in our current investment today, uh, general investment, I mean, is very difficult uh, because we don't have really the tool, the quantitative tools that help us to integrate it and to measure it. But science is working on it, and I'm sure that uh, we'll see development there as we have seen development on carbon measurement well, in the past years. one of the supporters of this forum is Persephone, which does exactly that. So maybe you need to be put in touch with them yeah, for, the, for the data. Again, the same question to you, Morton. I mean, uh, I'd answer it a little bit similarly, that, that we still need quite a lot of data on, on carbon emissions to be able to, to do a better job there. And, and, and I think we are, we are really in request of better data, more data. Uh, Again, does that become conditional then? Do you say we're only prepared to invest if? Yeah, but I think the, 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 the point really is also that it needs to be standardized. And I think government has quite a big role to play and global 
collaboration has quite a big role to play because it's it's quite hard to assess all sorts of different standards. So, so if it can be standardized, that would be very helpful. Mm. On biodiversity, that that's that's quite new. It's coming through. There's a, there's an initiative there also. Um, but again, I think it's it's how we can integrate it into our investment processes, as you as you also said. So it becomes. Climate change is now, and net zero is now, an integrated part of how we think and how we assess all our investments. And we need to get to the same point on biodiversity, but I think there's a bit longer to go on that. What about the people you're working with? Because in the end, as um, the chief executive of the Global Finance Initiative said, many of them have been in the business a long time and are finding it quite difficult to make the adaptation, to make the changes of mindset that are needed. How much have you had to work pretty hard among your colleagues at every level within the investment community? I think uh, people are happy to do good things. In average, people are good people. And um, coming from the finance uh, industry, where uh, in the past 10 years they have seen they have been put, I think, in the doghouse a little bit, uh, they are quite happy What do you to... mean by that? <laughs> I think the last crisis, you know, the 2007, 8, 9, 10, have been difficult for the finance industry and for the people that are working there. And I think today, uh, giving some sense to what they do, uh, having the feeling that they are doing the right thing in directing investments in the proper direction, they are quite, quite proud of it. So, uh, at least in HSBC, um, I don't see any resistance. But you're the giving contrary. them absolute clarity on that, are you? This is the way we, we want you to work and this is what you've got to oh, do. Oh, yeah, of course. I think mm. and everyone is very aligned and we've got some cultural um, stream of work in our uh, you know, sustainability programs so, so that everyone is aligned. Um, and that's very important, but I see no resistance on the contrary. That's right across 60 countries where you're operating at the moment. My operation is more, more limited, okay. but I would say, yes, people are happy to do the right thing. Morten, your, your reflection on that. In the end, you're dealing with presumably people in your departments who've been doing it for quite a long time, who've been doing investing in a certain way. How easy or difficult have they found it? How challenging have they found it to, to, to change the way they've got to invest in future? I think the, the interesting thing for us was when we announced this internally, people were so excited. This mm. is the most exciting thing we've done internally, and people have you know, gathered together. Were you surprised? I was actually surprised how deep felt that was and how many new initiatives, also internal things, what, what can we do to reduce our, our own carbon footprint and how can we change that? So, so I think that was really pleasant to see, and I think that's part of that, this great momentum of being part of something positive and actually also that, that, as I said earlier, the general public is more and more feeling this is really an important topic. And I think the other thing that we found quite interesting when we were looking at uh, setting this uh, net zero target was some of the, the, the asset managers were used all to commercial businesses and, uh, and they were you know, they were on it immediately, most of them, and engaged with us on how we could, uh, how we could, you know, whether 2035 was achievable and what they could do to support that. So I, so I think it's, um, we, haven't seen, we haven't had an issue in integrating it. I think where we had have, have challenges is because the data is so bad and the direction is not clear, we need to do something about that, but also we need to, to uh, accept that there's a lot of uncertainty here and, and in our case, we, we have to accept we can't, we can't achieve our goal alone. We need, uh, we need governments and regulators and consumers mm. and, and, and this momentum to, to continue. 
Uh, and I think that creates a bit of uncertainty and a, a nervousness. When you say data is bad, probably I suspect you mean incomplete at the moment. Yeah, I mean incomplete. Yeah. And, and Nicola, your final word about this, about the change that you've seen. I'm very happy to see this momentum uh, because this is exciting when you see uh, this enthusiasm, this um, energy uh, that is going forward um, you know towards this, this this goal which is to get um, a better planet and when I talk to my young daughter who is 14 she's very proud of what we do um, of what I do and I think that's you know gratifying and I'm sure that's the case of all my colleagues and all your colleagues. Nicolas Moreau, uh, Chief Executive of HSBC Global Asset Management, and Morten Nilsson, Chief Executive of the BT Pension Scheme. Thanks for sparing time to be with us, to enlighten us on the kind of massive changes. And I hope we can, we can meet again and you'll be reporting even greater and more significant changes uh, maybe in a few months' time. Thank you both Thank very you. much Thank indeed. You. This has been a special podcast in the Business Plan for the Planet series. More episodes will follow shortly, so please do keep an eye out for those. For more information on the program, visit business.hsbc.com forward slash sustainability. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you heard in this podcast, or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.